What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I'm Bob Wankel alongside Anthony Sanfilippo, who is talking to us in this podcast down in Florida. Has spent the last week covering the Phillies down there at spring training. So let's not waste any time. You don't need to hear me babble right now. Let's get right to Anthony. And man, I, I guess I want to ask you because I'm sitting here in South Jersey looking out the window and it's 42 degrees and raining right now and and you're in florida uh what's up man like what have we seen the last week how how we how we thinking about this team right now yeah it's great down here bob 80 degrees inside first of all i I do want to apologize the reason we didn't have a show friday is because it was also when the day chuck fletcher was fired by the flyer so i was a little bit busy that morning there was no way we could get that done uh but uh it's been great down here with uh with the phillies um uh, and a lot of things, a lot of excitement. First of all, that's the thing. First and foremost, the the ballpark is packed every day. Uh, fans are are really into this team. They're really excited for this team. Um, and I'll tell you that the clubhouse atmosphere for us for spring training is pretty fired up too. And and there's a lot of guys who are you know trying to be seen and trying to make a name for themselves a little bit. And I think that that's causing that kind of good, really good vibe in the in the locker room for for spring training and. Um, Rob Thompson pointed that out in conversation the other day, just kind of talking about it, saying that, you know, that there's a, there's a certain feeling in here and it's different than usual for spring training. And it's interesting because it's happening without the big names, right? I mean, Schwarber and Real Muto and Turner, they're off with, uh, Team USA World Baseball Classic and Harper just got here and he's, but he's not really hanging around. He's working, you know, doing his thing on the side. So it's really the, the, the rest of the team that's really kind of got that that vibe going and it's so it's cool it's not 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 everything's perfect i don't you know there's things to discuss here that you know some red flags but at the same time um you know for two weeks out from the start of the season or a little more than two weeks out from the start of the season i think that uh phillies phillies fans should be pretty happy with where they are right now i'm really curious and i'm glad you brought this up because there's this idea that this team coming off of a world series appearance we know that they're talented Everyone's excited about the addition of Trey Turner. All of the good vibes from last year seemingly carrying over into this season. But we we also know that this is going to be an ultra-competitive National League. It's going to be a very competitive division. And I, I kind of do wonder, like, are we... And I don't want to be negative here, but I, I do think it's worth asking the question. You said guys are fired up. There's a, a good energy down there. And I have not been around it at all yet this season. I have not been there. My my question from afar, though, is there are some red flags popping up here. And, you know, do we feel like at this point that, that fans really should be looking at this and saying this team is going to meet the hype? Like, that really is the question for me now. Like, we know the hype that has been now tagged to this team. Are they still in position to meet it? Or are some of these injuries and, and some of the slow starts from key players that we're seeing how much of this should we really be concerned about right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, there's a couple. I think that there are a couple that you can be concerned about. And I think that there's a couple that are you you just it's spring training and you kind of push it aside. Um, I mean, I don't know where where you want to start, but I'll I'll start with the pitching. Um, and the reason I want to start with pitching is because this was a concern that was brought to my attention on an elevator ride with uh, the owner. John Middleton and yeah, but yeah, and I, he and I happened to be on an elevator together, and um, I have this was a few days ago, and I I, I said, hey John, how you doing today? He's like, I've been better, and I'm like, why? What's the matter? And he's like, the pitching, it's just not, it's just not there right now. It needs to 
And I said, John, it's spring training. He's like, no, I know. And he's like, yes, we're, you, we're using our six string catchers in some, in some cases. Um, and, and that's something to be considered. You got to consider, right? This is not JT Real Muto calling or Garrett Stubbs calling. These are minor league catchers calling major league pitchers. Um, so there are, there is a little bit of stuff there, but he does, he did have a little bit of concern about the pitching. And when you look at it, the starting pitching has not been good so far in spring training. You know, Nola, Wheeler, those guys, I don't think you really worry too much. They're just kind of built, they're in build up mode and they're really not out there trying to, you know, blow people away. I think those two guys are going to be those two guys, right? But beyond that is where there's concern. Um, you know, we haven't really seen Taiwan Walker because he's off playing with Mexico in the uh, World Baseball Classic. Ranger Suarez has a forearm tightness situation crop up. So he's currently not pitching. They're not majorly concerned. They think he'll be fine. But forearm tightness is a thing, right? I mean, it's a thing for pitchers. And then we had the whole Lance, uh, Lance, Andrew Painter thing um, where he's got the uh, UCL tear. He's going to be out for a bit. And so Bailey Falter is your fifth guy. He hasn't looked great in spring. Um, and then the next guy beyond him, who if Suarez doesn't go, is Michael Plassmeyer who looked okay until the Yankees game on Saturday when he got torched. I mean, he looked well, let terrible. Me, let me ask so it's you. not been good. The starting pitching has not been good. So it's it's really interesting because, like, we can sit here and watch this and say starting pitching hasn't looked good. Two of the five potential starting pitchers right now have injury issues. One is definitely going to be out for the foreseeable future. We don't quite know how you know serious the Ranger Suarez thing is. But for the owner of the team to just freely give this up to you, to me, is a little bit different than someone like me sitting here yeah. in Jersey saying, like, I'm not totally impressed by this. Yeah. We know that John Middleton wants to win. We know that the guy's fired up. He probably feels the weight of the expectations and how people feel about this team. But, like, a little bit of a red flag. Know that the owner is just saying, hey, Anthony Sanfilippo, we happen to be on an elevator for the next five minutes. Let me just give up to you that pitching has been horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, and that's why... And I texted you right after it, and I was like, I was like, this is interesting because, you know, it, it's the one thing that you kind of thought that the Phillies were going to be str- an area they were going to be strong, and it turns out right now it's probably the biggest area of concern, right, with the team. Um, that being said, I think the bullpen has looked really good. Like the guys that are going to be part of this bullpen, if you look at those pitchers, I think they've been really good in spring training. So. The question is, do you get overexcited about the bullpen being really good and you know because it's spring training, or do you get worried that the starting pitching hasn't been good because it's spring training? Like it's there's gotta be some kind of medium. It's either all right, the, the relievers aren't gonna be that good once the regular season starts, but the starters will be better, or it's gonna be this and you're gonna be a lot of hair pulling, but the you, you count on the late later earning guys to pull you through. Well, let me use this as an opportunity to put in a one-time disclaimer. We are on this show for the rest of spring training, not going to talk about the fact that it's spring training and you can't read that much in a performance. I went back and listened to our show from last week, and I think I might have said it six different times when talking about <laughs> players. So for no, no more. From now on, no more. It's just straight reactions. I know it's spring training. I don't care. Um, so we're, like looking at this, and you're right, bullpen has looked pretty good in spots. Starting rotation has been uh, lackluster and certainly has some injury concerns. I will say, and I know that I, I told you about this, I talked to a team source who is um, 
not concerned at all about Aaron Nola, and I know that he has been somewhat unimpressive. And the same sources, very optimistic about what we're going to get out of Zach Wheeler this season. They they love where he's at. They think that he's he's healthy. He's in a good spot. Um, they really think that he's going to be able to continue what he's done for this team the last couple of years. So if there's any concern about you know extra innings later season, like they're not seeing that right now. And and the, the one source that I talked to was particularly bullish on the on the year that Zach Wheeler may have. So there you go. If you're listening to this and you're like Jesus, you know, like yeah. and how how concerned should I be? But I will say on the flip side of this that. You look at the back end of the rotation, and we've talked about Andrew Painter. You didn't think he was going to start the season with this team anyway. I kind of was hoping that he would. I've been of the mindset that you have to go with your best guys. You're trying to run down the Braves and the Mets here, display how the postseason played out last year. That's not going to happen now. So let's just address this first. I don't want to spend too much time on Andrew Painter because he's been talked about so much, and I think that everyone understands to some degree what's going on here. So let's first talk about the prognosis. Okay, we have a, a partial tear or a, a strain, which is a smaller tear. Um, they're going to shut him down for a month, and then he's going to start throwing again. You're down there, you know, you're you're around everyone. We have been told that that this is not a panic move. This is a thing where they they feel relatively optimistic that he can avoid surgery and contribute this year. I'm kind of curious about uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and I think that the thing that was the most interesting was how specific they were in describing his injury, right? I mean, um, he has what's called a proximal tear uh, in his UCL, uh, as far as, which is different than I think a distal. Um, look, I'm no ma- I'm no doctor here, right? Um, but they send it off. They sent the, the, the you know, their doctors looked at it and they then sent for a second opinion to Neil Elitrash, who's, you know, the guy for Tommy yeah. John surgery, right, in America. He's the guy who did, Andrews of, of yeah. Yes, of, of Tommy John. And he's the guy who did Harper surgery, right? And Elatrosh said, you know what? He'll be fine. And so the thing of it is, is the, the a proximal tear, I, I believe in the last um, five years, I don't know if it's the last five years, whatever it is, but nine, like 90 some percent of guys who had a proximal tear did not need Tommy John. Whereas the guys who had the distal, it was quite the opposite. They all almost all needed Tommy John. Um, Aaron Nola had this same tear when in 2016, uh, his rookie season, um, didn't have surgery, spent time recovering, came back 2017 and, uh, and, you know, had a pretty good year and then 18 was his best, best year. So, um, yeah, they, they feel like this is a thing. It's just going to, they're going to take their time with it. We're not going to see painter until the summer. I mean, that's just the thing. I mean, just, it's not going to be till the summer. And kind of just to piggyback off of what you said, if it were a situation where we didn't have a track record, I think they said like 17 of the 19 players that yeah. experienced this injury have been able to avoid the actual operation. If, if we didn't have that track record to kind of rely on, I'd be a little bit more skeptical about this because just on the surface, I'd say that here's a 19-year-old kid. They're going to do everything they can to avoid cutting him open. Like, right. they don't want to do that. They're going to probably play it conservative and almost to the point where they'd be willing to flush this season if it means taking their time to try to avoid the surgical option. But because we know, as to your point, this particular injury does not often lead to the operation, I go, okay, I, I kind of feel like we're being told the truth here. Yeah. Um, and now I think it, in, in hindsight as well, we understand they, they probably could have gotten to this conclusion earlier. They maybe could have been a little bit more forthcoming about the initial read of these scans, but you sort of see now why it's they waited. Worse yeah. Than it did. yeah. So, it turns out Elatrosh, just so everybody knows, it turns out Elatrosh was unavailable to read them 
for several days. And that was why they couldn't, they didn't want to say anything. They just, they wanted the second opinion and they waited till he was able to read the, the, read the tests. So you just said it and uh, kind of beat me to the question, which is when do you now see Andrew Painter? So if you walk through this, he probably doesn't throw until the first week of April. There's a slow buildup faces live hitters. Now we're probably talking if everything goes well and there's no setbacks. Now you're probably into the beginning of May. Maybe he makes a, an appearance in minor leagues sometime in mid to late May. Like I think it's later than that. Bob. Yeah, I really do. Not a slower build up. Yeah, I think I think you're looking at Andrew Painter not being a consideration for the Phillies until the All Star break. So what what happens? Is that more a product of um, patience, innings limitation coming to play? Just be yeah. ultra conservative with him. Yeah, because I would say if this were a a 25 year old and we weren't doing this whole you know hype train thing around him, we'd say like, oh yeah, you'd probably see him by the end of May, beginning of June. Right. Yeah. No. I think I think he'll be throwing. I mean, and, you know, and and they'll do a nice little program with him. But I think it's like a either gonna, he's going to start his throwing program in early April. You're probably looking at a six week program, and then I, I guarantee you his rehab assignments a month, a full month, five so starts down the there. Right. Me now. If we were saying here, there's there's a innings restriction. We're going to keep him at about 120, 130 innings. That was the plan. You yeah. know, as of ten days ago. Does the alteration of the timetable limit the workload moving forward? Like, there's this idea. I think people are saying, well, if he comes back at the All-Star break, then they can just let him rip because he won't hit the innings threshold. Or do you think they say, well, you know what? Now that now that it's a, a later start point, we're probably going to have to come down with the, the workload. We're still going to skip starts with them. We still have to be, you know, like, I think there's this idea, like, well, if we just push him back three months, he'll be ready to go full full speed. Bob, if he if he could give if he could give them 15 starts, 90 innings this year, they'll be happy. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I think it's going to be. I, I think you're looking at you know 15 six inning starts. That's it. That's what you, that's what you're going to get out of Andrew Painter this year at this point, and that's fine, and that's okay. That's not the end of the world, right? So, uh, then off of that, because I think I, I said we wanted to keep it tight on Painter. Yeah. That opened up the fifth spot. We know that this spot is is Bailey Falters. It, yep. it always has been. And that was confirmed when they sent down Mick Abel and Griff McGarry. Like, I, I never really viewed them as serious contenders for that spot. Right. Um. So now it's Bailey Falters deal. I, we talked, you know, uh, candidly here, we talked about Bailey Falter before we recorded this show. Um. Uh, I recognize what he did for this team last season. Uh, he was at points their most dependable starting pitcher, and I don't think that you can dismiss that. Uh, I would be lying though if I told you I was overly enthusiastic about about Bailey Falter's upside, uh, and I think I might be in the minority there. Like I, a lot of people are like Bailey Falter fifth starter, this is great, and I'm like, yeah, we'll see. You know, yeah. The the results have not been been great this spring. Um, I told you I'm not going to talk about the small sample size spring training disclaimer. I just am not terribly impressed, but but go ahead and, and give me the other view. No, I mean, I I can't argue much of it with you. I, I kind of felt like his last start was not a great one. Um, and, uh, he started yesterday, and, 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 you know, Toronto hit him around a little bit. Um, the only thing I could say about yesterday is I do know that he was – really working on the changeup yesterday. Uh, and he did say, and, and Thompson said the same thing afterwards, 
that they were throwing it at times that they wouldn't be throwing it in a, a, a real major league game. Um, the example that he gave, and he wasn't trying to defend giving up a home run, but he threw back-to-back change-ups to George Springer. And Springer, the second one, he hits out of the ballpark. And he said, look, it was a bad pitch. I left it up. It's not where it was supposed to go. He said, but at the same time, I'm not normally throwing two change-ups in a row to George Springer and let him time it, right, to be able to crush it the way he did. So, you know, there are things like that. You sit there and go, okay, he is working on a pitch that he that he feels is going to be a pitch that's going to make him a better pitcher. Um, He doesn't feel like his breaking stuff is there yet. I mean, and he's even said it himself. He's like, I, you know, he's like, I, I feel it, but he says it's just not – not where it needs to be. Um, he's okay with his with his fastball right now. He's trying to get the changeup working. I, I, you know, he's going to get three more starts, Bob, before the regular season comes around. In fairness, it's it's March thirteenth as we record yeah. this. Let, let's see. Let's see. Way to go. Let's see how it goes. But I mean, I, I agree that if the next few starts are not really enticing, that that could be a problem. And her. and the reason why it could be a problem, and this is where like I'm I'm. I understand fifth starter. You could do a hell of a lot worse than Bailey Falter. Like there's, there's no question about it, but where the anxiety starts to perk up a little bit, if I'm a Phillies fan is, Hey, here comes Ranger Suarez. He's back in Clearwater. Why? He's not longer participating in the world baseball classic. Why? Uh, Because there's some forearm tightness. Again, nobody's slamming the panic alarm here, but you know, that's a real thing. And let me say this, Bob. I mean, we, and when we interviewed Ranger, he was just like, oh, no big deal. It's no big deal. They all looked at it. We're not even getting an update. And they didn't even give him an MRI. I mean, so that's that's how, I guess, they're not real, real concerned. He's standing there during the whole interview just shaking the arm out. Just He's just sitting. He's just doing this whole thing the whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> like, is he still feeling? Is it tight right now? Like, dude, if you're sitting there doing that. Well, it's fine. I'm going to read on since he's not asking about it. You're like, you also know that this guy, he's he's unfazed by everything. Like, nothing bothers this guy. So. Right. Like, okay, I'm encouraged by this, I guess, but you know, like, you know, because you start talking about Bailey Fulter. Because remember, again, the expectation is postseason, deep run. This is the team. Like, you you have to look through a different lens when you look at the 23 Phillies. And like, all of a sudden, if the shaky Bailey Fulter's your your four, yeah, and he's backed up by, I don't know, uh, Michael Plasmeyer, Michael Plasmeyer, like, then all of a sudden, you're like, that's not, that's not great. So that's the way that I'm. I'm viewing this thing like I'm being a little bit more not critical, but like a little bit more alarmist, I guess, because of of what we're talking about here. Yeah, Christopher Sanchez is getting a start tomorrow against Atlanta. Um, I only because they got to start looking at these guys as potential starters because of the situation. So yes, that is that is a certain red flag. So the other thing that this does, because in my world where Andrew Painter and Bailey Falter kind of work in a a six-man rotation, long man type of setup, it, it takes another bullpen spot away. Well, now that bull, bullpen spot has been completely open because we know that, that Andrew Painter is not a part of the picture here for the foreseeable future. So Bailey Falter slots in as, as the fifth starter. He's not going to be coming out of the bullpen now. So what happens with that final bullpen spot? And I think that that now becomes one of the big storylines here as we march through the final 15 games of spring training. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think we can all understand and we all agree at this point. You have uh, Bilotti, he's in. Alvarado's in. Brogdon's in. Um, uh, Dominguez, Kimbrell, Soto made his first appearance over the weekend. Uh, all reports there. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. He's looked 
he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Stram, right? So mm-hmm. you have one more spot. So you're talking about Nick Nelson, perhaps uh, Christopher Sanchez in like a long man type of role, assuming that Suarez is okay. Uh, there's one interesting name here, though, um, and, and guy that, that Rob Thompson has talked about, you know, 98-99, good sink, and Junior Marte. And I assume right now, if, if you had to solidify this roster, is he your pick for that last offense? It sounds like that's who it is. I mean, and and Thompson's been talking glowingly about him, and he was asked, you know, to describe Junior Marte, and he just said, filth, straight yeah. filth. I mean that's I mean that that was the way he Your described. Your manager see that it's not just yeah. I, you know we we like what he's doing we, yeah, yeah. we feel pretty good about him I mean, you street filth like that kind of tends to say this guy's opened our eyes he's he might be in the mix here yeah and he's what five innings I think he's thrown so far in spring yeah five innings uh, two hits a walk and five strikeouts so he's been yeah. in the zone uh, .6 whip I mean he's he's earned it on merit at this point yeah he's looked really really good and and he's probably the last guy. Now, there are a couple other guys that they like and that they're going to, you know, keep in mind, the bullpen's going to have some some names come up and down as the season progresses, right? Um, he mentioned Andrew Vasquez, who's pitched a little bit and, and looked pretty good in camp. I think that that's a guy. Um, and like you said, Sanchez, I think he's a guy that could be that long guy and, you know, kind of fill a spot in the bullpen. Um, I'll tell you a guy that I've also been impressed with, and I, I, I want to see if they give him a chance to pitch against you know the major leaguers more right because he's been pitching more back end of games but mckinley moore the guy they got in the adam hazley trade has been lights out in in the in the games that he's pitched um i i don't think that he's you know in the running for the for the last spot in the bullpen but do i think he's a guy that could get a call at some point this year and come up yeah and i'd so I'd, i'd like to see over the last couple weeks i'd like to see if they give him a an opportunity to pitch against some major league lineup guys and and see how he does because he throws. You want to talk about hard man? That guy brings it and and he's had I think I think he leads the team or second in the team in strikeouts in in spring training. So well, I think where they're at right now, you kind of say you can make an educated guess. This is what they're likely to come north with or yeah. I guess go west with. Though they open in Texas, things change quickly though, as we've learned yeah. over the last week. So you know you start talking about players like that. All of a sudden, maybe they do factor in. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of takes us over to the offensive side of things. And we're going to be a little bit shorter on the podcast today. I know, Anthony, we're talking, we have like a 30, 35 minute window here. Yeah. Um, so, listen, we're midway through this thing. In some ways, it feels like it just started. In some ways, it feels like it's been going on forever. But I do think we're at a point now where there's enough enough of a sample where we start talking about the back end of this bench and, and how they're going to fill this thing out. And I want to talk about Scott Kingery. You wrote the Scott Kingery story. <laughs> I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I do want to make the point. <laughs> and I think this is going to be the highlight of the show, honestly. Yeah. Um, the Phillies have to feel good about the fact that they have a competition and the players in the mix in that competition have really stood up this spring. Like they have, this is not, uh, you know, the, the, Oh, I won't say what I was going to say, but it's not a matter of, hey, you win by default. It's a matter of, you know, hey, these guys are really getting after it. So you look at a Derek Hall, right? Uh, four home runs, leads a team with Sosa, uh, hitting three forty six, Like, just left-handed power to me. Like, I get the, the knocks against him, but 
in the absence of left-handed power at the start of the season with Bryce Harper on the shelf. Like, to me, Derek Hall is a no-brainer. I don't know. Um, Jake Cave, a guy that I kind of, like, wrote off at the beginning. I was like, I don't know. Like, Jake Cave, is Jake Cave seriously going to make this team? Uh, he's been awesome. Six extra base hits. Hitting 458 leads the team in hits. He has 11 hits this spring. And then that brings you to Scott Kingery, who, who is, is played very well. He's got 10 hits. He looks like the guy that everybody thought he was going to be three, four years ago. You wrote the story. Let me just get your opinion on where he's at and what you think about Scott Kingery, and then I'll tell you how I feel about Scott Kingery. I, 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 he's a, it's a whole different person watching again these these at bats are important right because he's playing he's playing early in games it's not like scott kingery's getting these hits eighth ninth inning against some minor league pitcher he is out there facing major league pitchers and getting hit after hit after hit and it's been it's been eye-opening because he does look a lot like the guy we saw six years ago, Bob, I mean, it really does. And you're sitting there and you're, and you're like, man, is it possible that he's, that he's back? I mean, who, how, how is, you know, I, how did this happen? And yeah, do I have reservations long-term? Of course I do because of everything that happened, but he spent a lot of time in the off season with, with Kevin Long, Right. Uh, and he changed his swing back to what it used to be. And he's um, he's on a much flatter plane, and he's driving the ball every swing. He's getting really good contact, and, and you know he has vers positional versatility. He could he could steal bases, which is something that's obviously uh, been a uh, a thing that they want to try and do more all across baseball. But the Phillies, even I think that there's real value there. The question is. Is the value on this roster or is the value getting something for Scott King replaying the way he's playing with one year left on his deal? Is somebody else potentially interested in that after the spring that he's having and they've talked him up as much as they have? So there's a lot to 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 unpack with it. But it's where the Phillies are at though, like are they not better served to keep the depth piece than I agree? You know, like yeah. What are they going to get in exchange for Scott Kingery at this point that is going to alter their short-term ability to to compete? You know, and that's where I immediately kind of go to. Now, that being said, considering he was, and this sounds harsh, but he was essentially a total zero, mm -hmm. the fact that he has any value and that you could get back anything for him, like if you don't truly believe in the sustainability of it, getting back something at this point might be intriguing, I, I suppose. I, I, I here's the thing. I I don't know what the purpose is of having a player of that. If you're paying a guy that money, and he's have and he's legitimately playing that well, what's the point in having him in the minors? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the point in having him play at Lehigh Valley, where he's obviously he's not his game's not growing anymore. He's 29 years old. Like he do, he's not developing. He's where he's. Scott Kingery, 29 years old. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I don't so either you either you're gonna put him on the team, and that's fine if you do, or why send him down? Like, yeah, I understand you want to have the depth, but what 
I don't know what good it is having a, a a player making that kind of money playing in the minor leagues. Like I, I just don't see it. I I There's don't. A couple I, knocks like on Scott Kingery that if the average fan can't get beyond it, I I don't blame them. Like anytime a player is billed to the degree that he is and then fails to deliver, I think that's going to create some skepticism. You know, listening to you talking, like I read the story, I thought it was a good story, and like I think it would be a fantastic story of Scott Kingery who was just like a total afterthought off the 40 man. Like it was over. If he could somehow resurrect this thing and be a meaningful contributor and like play the type of game that Phillies fans would love to see, right? Like he's all over the field, high energy, bouncing around, making things happen, athletic, you know, like it, it would be a great story. Like, Oh my God. Right. The, the problem that I have is that I felt like I went through this cycle with him a few years ago where it was just, there was every excuse in the book was made for Scott Kingery. It was, oh, Gabe Kapler. And the organization had him play in different defensive positions. And that ruined his confidence offensively. And they wanted him to lift the ball. And you even just said it. Like, oh, well, he worked with Kevin Long this offseason and he really flattened out his swing. I guess my question would be, well, why did it take four years of utter failure to get to this point? Like, was he not convinced in 2021 that, oh, shit, this isn't working. I better do something about it. Was he? Yeah, I, was that I mean, the organization? How's the organization not do anything about that? Hey, look, I, I, I have to say. I mean, he did say to me. I mean, obviously, he had shoulder surgery, right? So there was an in, there was a legitimate right. injury there, and he did say the year before that he was trying to not get the shoulder surgery. So I mean, maybe that's on him for trying to keep it, you know, play through something that he probably shouldn't have played through. Um, and so maybe that season you sit there and go, all right, yeah, Scotty, you should have figured it out then. You should have gotten it taken care of then and come back sooner. But I'll say this, Bob, maybe if the Phillies knew that this was the Scott Kingery they were going to get, maybe they shouldn't have signed Josh Harrison, right? I mean, because that would be the role that Kingery would better be better suited for. Right. It, it, they're very similar. I cannot blame the Phillies. I, I know you're not, but I cannot yeah, yeah. blame the Phillies front office for not banking on the revival. Sure, sure, sure. But that's what I'm saying. And it's it's almost like, you know, he's now competing with Derek Hall and Jake Cave for a spot when he really should be competing with Josh Harrison for a spot. You see what I'm saying? So I guess the question is, like, how does... How does this play out? Like, do you really do you think that this is a situation where performance over the next twelve games? Because you know they they probably will make their decisions before the final game of the spring. So the, there's two more weeks of games to really figure this out. Do you think he can win this job, or do you think he, at best, can sort of be the next man up? Like he's he's positioned himself to be that first guy when the next injury happens. And I think that that's right. I think that that's where he will land. Um, He's not on the 40-man, right? Jake Cave is. Josh Harrison is. Derek Hall is. Derek Hall's power is something that matters. Even if he doesn't have a position and he doesn't have positional versatility. I mean, yeah, first base, okay, fine. But he doesn't really have positional versatility. It's his power that matters. And we saw it last year when Harper was out. He's got to be on the team. And he I has, think, he yeah, has to be on this team. Yeah, and I think, I think that they like what Harrison brings as a clubhouse guy. Um, and, uh, he's, he's got positional versatility and, and everybody loves that guy in there. I talked to him at length. He's a really, really good uh, guy to talk to and really kind of, you could feel, you could get a sense that he's a guy that would fit with right. this team, might fit the vibe of this team. Um, and, and cave has just been sensational 
in awe. He defensively laying out for balls. He's hit. I mean, and then he's hit really well. He's how do they feel about he, how he would profile in? Because what they really need is somebody that can play the outfield and hit from the right side. And he is not that. So I asked. So the, I asked this question to Rob Thompson because they they played Sosa in center field. He's playing center field again tomorrow, and then he's going to play left field on Wednesday in New York. And I asked him about that. I said, "Is there some interconnectivity with the way Jake Cave is hitting, and you guys trying Edmundo Sosa in the outfield of potentially, tr- you know, having a right-handed hitter hitting outfielder who can play center field?" So Cave, and he's like, "He's like there is a little bit." He says, "But keep in mind that uh, Schwarber may need a day off or may need a day as a DH, and we can put Jake Cave out there too against a right-hander and just lengthen the lineup with lefties." And it's like. Okay, so like I get the sense that Cave fits, and they they're finding ways to make him fit because they really and like what he brings. They get a run of of right handers going. They might need Nick Castellanos to take a series off. So I mean, yeah, exactly. The way I, I mean, that's going. So yeah, yeah. Like I'm I I'm kind of being an asshole and I'm I'm kind of being cute, but I'm also kind of serious because yeah. we are now approaching the point with Nick Castellanos where like, you know, like yeah. What's happening out there is happening, and it's hard not to notice it happening. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no other way to say it. Like, And this is why, and I always go back to this, Like, you get down there in the beginning of spring, and you hear the stories about what, what happened this offseason, and the adjustments that were made, and the mental, the part of, the mental part of it, and we, we write these stories, and like Alex Coffey did a great job, right? Like Alex, this is no knock on Alex whatsoever, yeah. to be very clear. It's a, it's a great story talking about, like, well, where's Nick at? I think she was the one that reported the adjustment moving up in the like moving up in the box closer to yeah. the plate, and like that stuff all might pay off. Like this is not to say that it won't, but like this idea, like what happens is fans will then like ingest that story and be like, oh, he's made the change. It's like Castiano's breakout season. Here it comes, and it's just not that simple. That's all. Um, that that is like to me now. Like I am watching every bat, everything he does, and like fair or not, like that's where we're at with him. Like yeah. I, the only positive, and there's not a lot that's positive. The only positive I can give you on Castellanos is he doesn't seem to be lunging and chasing balls out of the zone like he was last year. So if there's one, I mean, he's he's taking some more pitches. He's been that's more. Not, I mean, that's real. You know, that's, been that's more, real. He's been more patient at the plate, um, but he's still not hitting. He's still, I mean, he's hit a couple hard balls, and that's fine, but he's not hitting. Yeah. And, and I will certainly allow for the possibility that, yeah. that the calendar flips to April and he just rolls. Like, yeah. I'm not writing him off. Like, please don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. But, like, I am at the point now where I'm like, okay, like, given what happened last year, given that uh, he's back, he's ready to go, there's been adjustments, he feels good. Like, okay, then, like, great. Let's just see it now. That's all. Yeah. It would be nice to see. It would be I nice agree. to see. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I mean, I think that we do need to start seeing production uh, of some kind from Nick Castellanos. Uh, before the regular season to be to, to really I, feel I know, better. I know we're on the time crunch here. I have one quick thing, and then however you want to wrap it, we'll do that. Uh, World Baseball Classic, have you watched it? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's been, there's a couple of fun things, yeah. Yeah, like, there's some fun things. Like, I actually think it means more to, like, uh, other countries, and it seems like it means more, like, to fans in other countries. Like, yeah. I have to tell you, I have been, uh, I, I was, like, kind of into it. I told you last show, I'm in, I'm going to watch it. I have. Um, two quick takeaways for me. Like, I'm not in. I don't care. I want to care. I see some people do care, and like, I'm actually astounded by that. I'm like, the way that some people are reacting on Twitter. Like, someone called it embarrassing. Like, a, a Philadelphia media member was like, "This team is embarrassing." And I was like, I, I just can't get up for that. Like, yeah. it's, it's a, it's an exhibition game at, at heart. And I know the yeah. players are sort of into it, but I just, I'm not angry as I watch it unfold. 
I I get why they don't have a pitching staff, but like the pitching staff is just it is so substandard of what they're trotting out there. Yeah, it's not good. It's like yeah, I, mean, Mark, I, I just don't really care. Like and I, Mark I guess and Mark DeRozan country, but I just don't care. And Mark DeRozan bitched about it too. It was like you know, it's never it's never going to be taken seriously until all the players take it seriously, and, the, yeah. and he means the pitchers there. No, the the I was actually going to bring up one uh, one last thing from the World Baseball Classic, uh, but before I get to the one last thing, uh, how about Garrett Stubbs with his big hit for Israel and also playing some third base? Yeah, <laughs> like he's he's cool, man. Like that's that's all I can say. Like you talk about vibes. Like you started this show talking about vibes and clubhouse energy yeah. and stuff. Like he he's like all time for me. Like yeah. he really is, and and winning helps. But like he's just a cool dude, and he's just always in the middle of everything. Even when he's even when he's in the dugout, like even when he's in a clubhouse, he's just like an infectious personality. It's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. But the one last thing I wanted to bring up was, and because it was it was hilarity in the in the Phillies clubhouse. But yesterday morning we go in there, and Italy's playing in the Netherlands, and I forget what the guy's name is, but the left-handed reliever for Italy comes in in a six-to-one game, mind you. With the bases loaded and nobody out, and strikes out the side, and has one of the funniest, most elongated "look at me" celebrations I've ever seen, and the Phillies clubhouse erupted in just absolute laughter watching it unplay on the on the on the big screen in the clubhouse. We were dying, and it was just like. And I didn't even really think about it until after the fact, because they end up in that five-way tie, right? And and the run. The fewest runs allowed per outs, you know, that they got was kind of how they broke the tie, and Italy just snuck in. So it was important to keep the Netherlands off the scoreboard there, right? And so it didn't. Oh, I didn't realize it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. But he was insane, and I just wanted to yeah. just throw that to you and kind of get your reaction to it. I love all that stuff. I mean, like that's where that tournament becomes fun. Like in a way, like watching that to me and. Like, I guess maybe I don't mean this, but in a way I'm like more compelled by that than I am watching Team USA play. I, yeah. You know, I just, I sat down and I, I watched a game. Uh, I watched most of the game Saturday night. The Schwarber home run was awesome. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. That was cool. Like, guy yells out, hit a Schwarber bomb, and then he cranks a three-run homer. Like, that was cool. But I'm just watching it. It just felt flat to me. It just felt unimportant. Uh, maybe, it was the great, maybe it was the Great Britain jerseys. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> dude, like. Again, like I coached high school baseball for twelve years, and like I've seen like freshman uniforms, like at least have like a real script on the front of them. You know what I mean? Like, it was almost like Nike got the list, and we're like, "Wait, Great Britain's playing baseball? What's going on?" Yeah, they could have gone to any local high school team, and been like, "Can we just have your jerseys?" And it would have been far superior to that. Yeah, uh, no, it's really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. Uh, so we'll see what happens there with Team USA. We'll see how the World Baseball Classic uh, plays out. So now you're down there until when? Uh, the end of the week? Thursday. Here? I'm okay. there on Thursday, yeah. Uh, anything planned? Anything special down there like that you hope to accomplish before you come back up? No, it's just been nice. We've been having a good time. Maria's down here with me. We're just kind of hanging and uh, good stuff. Just good All right. stuff. Good. Found, out, found out that the town, that Dunedin, where the Blue Jays play, they've been, since the last time I was down here, they've really built it up. And it's like a really cool place with all these like breweries and and restaurants and like a downtown walking area. And it's only fifteen minutes from where we where we're at at the Airbnb, and it's pretty cool, man. Like it's yeah. It's a good spot. I am uh, quite envious of you right now as I'm I'm sitting up here uh, 
ripping my hair out over other work, and uh, I'm also on Baby Watch. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're having different weeks this week, Anthony. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Well, uh, you know, like, as Anthony noted, uh, we actually both got jammed up a little bit on Friday. I know we've been making a point to brag about how we've been staying on schedule, but uh, all hell broke loose with the Flyers, uh, yeah. and that uh, my work uh, really uh, spiraled on Friday. So. Uh, just a little blip there. Back on track. We will talk to you on Friday. Uh, thank you for checking out the latest episode of Crossed Up. Make sure that you're looking at us on YouTube, following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon.